0: Welcome to the Indie Writer Podcast, where we talk all things writing and indie publishing. Today, Becca, Carrie, and I are excited to be joined by author Peter Harmon to talk about juggling multiple projects. Peter is a television producer, screenwriter, and author. He worked on shows including RuPaul's Drag Race, Intervention, and Heroes of Cosplay. His books include the young adult book series The Happenstances and Horror from the High Dive, Volume 1. He also currently does a podcast about the TV show The Vampire Diaries called The Vampity Diaries. Welcome, Peter. How are you doing today?
1: Wow, doing great. Juggling multiple projects as always. Happy to be here. Happy to see you guys again.
0: Oh, thanks so much. This is Peter's second time on the Indie Writer Podcast. He was here for, I believe it was an audiobook episode. Is that right?
1: Yes. I had totally blanked until you just said that, but now everything (laughs) is rushing back.
0: And yeah, totally. Great. And Becca and Carrie, how are you guys today? Hanging in there.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Fine. Got my shot today. Yes.
0: Okay. All right. Awesome.
1: How about you, Peter? Have you gotten yours yet? No, I'm... My wife is a teacher. And so she's gotten both shots. But I have to wait until with the rest of the unwashed masses. I'm just a lowly (laughs) TV producer. So uh, I'm just waiting it out.
0: All right, well, hopefully it'll be soon. So we're going to talk about juggling multiple projects, which I think everyone on here has done their share of. So we're just gonna jump in with if everyone wants to just go around and talk about how many projects you have going on right now.
1: Wow. I always have several up in the air. There's always a plate spinning off somewhere that I'm that I'm not spinning often enough. But in this mo- <laughs> in this moment, I'm always trying to promote the horror anthology that I just put out a couple months ago. My young adult book series. I'm working on the third book in that. I might have another sort of joke booky kind of project coming up, as well as several like sort of video projects. I'm on a TV show right now that I'm working on as well as like some freelance editing. And then I also call my two children projects that I have to (laughs) do as well.
2: For sure. How old are your kids?
1: About to be 10. And then I have a five year old as well.
2: Yep. I got a five and an eight year old. Nice. And my eight year old lost his, his two front teeth.
3: Mine too. My seven year old and then he lost one on the bottom, so he has like a little L shape cut out (laughs) of his mouth right now.
1: Prime milkshake season for those guys. (laughs) Put a big old straw right in there, in that gap. Yeah.
0: Nice. Yeah, my eleven year old just lost I guess whatever the ones that come right after those first four. You lost like the back ones and Mm -hmm. he was like, I didn't realize I was still gonna lose teeth. That was shocking. That's so funny. i didn't
3: lose my last tooth until college and apparently that's really weird and i didn't realize that <laughs> until later <laughs> it's like in my 20s i'm like oh i guess oh. like i had another wow one.
0: that's funny yeah, it wasn't gosh. a You're wisdom like, tooth it was just a regular tooth
3: no i this,
1: just
0: had a molar that
1: this was either a, while. A, a baby tooth or scurvy we'll we'll
0: never know <laughs> <laughs> this conversation has taken a turn oh that's man funny. All right. Well, I, I guess I'll just jump in. I'm, I've am i got a few projects that I'm juggling. I have a new one that I'm drafting. And then I also have one that's in edits right now. And then they're always marketing the books that are already out. So I'm excited for this conversation because I feel like I don't successfully juggle my projects. So I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to hearing how you guys approach that and if I can learn anything.
2: Yeah. So we were talking earlier about editing and so I'm always juggling in those deadlines. If I'm editing people for writing block books, or if people have paid me to edit their books that they're then publishing themselves, or sometimes people will pay me to go over their book before they submit it to their publisher. So those deadlines always end up having to come first. And um, also, I write for book list. So Every month I get three to four books from my editor that I have to read and review. So that gets kind of lumped into all of my other stuff. Mm -hmm. And then there's the librarian job, which when you talk about juggling projects, I kind of like keep that out of what I'm doing. Because when I'm at work, I'm working on those projects. And when I'm Mm -hmm. at home, I try not to think about it at all. It could spend, like, all of my time could be spent thinking about the library. There's so many different strategics to be thinking about, strategic plans. And it's a lot of the same stuff that you think about when you're thinking about writing, branding, and marketing, and getting the word out about the library. And so there's a lot, you know, going on in my head. And then there's the writing part of it. You know, we talk a lot about our writing projects on here, so I don't know how much detail people want, but right now I have one project that's on submission to publishers, one project that's sitting in my agent's inbox, one book that I'm getting ready to self-publish that will come out on May 11th, and then one book that I'm drafting
3: So I just had to make a list of my projects because I thought I knew all of the ones that I was going to talk about. And then as you're talking about things, I was like, oh yeah, I'm doing that too. (laughs) So I have my one book on home that's coming out August 24th and I'm waiting on copy edits for that one, but thinking about marketing and swag and all that fun stuff. I have another book that I'm quarrying. I have my West Virginia punk book that is due the end of this year and I just finished my first draft. i just sent it to be printed at the UPS store and I'm going to mark it all up. And then today I just started drafting a rom-com, which I'm really excited about. But then you all reminded me that I'm also writing the content for a week of Mama Strong emails. Like it's this awesome group. Sorry, my kiddo just walked in. It's an awesome um, like parenting exercise program. And they are doing like an April challenge on being a creative parent. And so I got selected to write a week of their content. And then I just wrote SLR. And I go, oh, I do reviews for Southern. (laughs) I was like, what? What is that project? I do reviews for Southern literary review. And I have another one that I need to do this month.
0: Awesome. Well, it sounds like this is a good group for this conversation. So I guess the first question would be, how do you decide what you're going to work on on any given day? Or do you just kind of touch on everything so that you stay in that vibe with each project? And just how do you make that decision? I guess for this moment, take off the table that there's a deadline. Like if you just have the time each day to kind of organize your projects, how do you decide?
1: Yes. Well, for me, I was going to say a deadline. Deadlines help (laughs) and being paid helps. You know, obviously the thing that's on fire the most you want to start putting out or the thing that, um, what would be the, what would be the money in that analogy? The thing that's giving you water. I don't know. Being paid definitely helps or if there's a deadline, but you said no deadlines that I would say, what is, um, inspiring you in that moment? Like, what do you feel great about what, you know, a lot of writing is like non-writing, right? Is like thinking about Mm -hmm. it. So what's been sort of like tugging at your shirt tail the most, Or what did you think about um, before you fell asleep or whatever? So Mm -hmm. hopefully when I'm going into a writing session, which is a little bit more few and far between these days, kids, day job, whatever. I want to be going into a writing session like excited almost, you know.
2: That's a really good point about the planning aspect of writing a lot of people when they picture writing is just like i'm sitting at the keyboard and i'm typing but like for instance i just spent this past week doing research and talking to people about some plot points in my book my well my draft that is in an area of expertise that i have no clue about and like you said the thing that was tugging at my shirt tail was like I cannot keep drafting until I get these answers Mm -hmm. and I had to kind of yell at myself. Like I have to get this, I have to get this out of my head that I'm I'm not writing if I'm not drafting. For sure. And I try not to take
3: on a project that I'm not like super excited about. I'm lucky enough that I don't have to take on projects that I'm not excited about, but I'm definitely with you, Peter, where whichever one I'm like ready to work on, I want to go into that. Or if there's one, that I have to work on because of a deadline. And then there's one that I'm excited about. I'll use it kind of as bribery to do Mm -hmm. the one I'm not as excited about. So
2: that's what I do too.
3: My punk book is, it's really fun to write about, but it's nonfiction. And so it just uses a different part of my brain. It feels more like research and work and less like fun. So I will be like, okay, I need to, I'm not gonna work on my new fiction draft in, which is like the fun creative, don't think about sentence structure yet. Just think about like the imaginative stuff. Okay, I have to finish this interview or I have to finish transcribing this part and then I'll let myself mm-hmm. do the fun project. I use the really fun stuff to get through the, the stuff I'm trudging through.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, that's cool. So, do you have any, any of you have any tricks like for getting back? into the mindset of a project that you haven't worked on in a long time. I know today we're recording. It won't come out for about for a few days, but we're recording on the first day of Camp Remo, And so I know there's a bunch of people out there that are pulling out old projects and trying to dust them off and and power through. So do any of you just have things up your sleeve for how you're going to immerse yourself in something that maybe you haven't looked at for a year?
3: I think that things like NaNoWriMo and like writing sprints or write-ins or whatever I think that for me that's a really great way to get back into a project because I'm kind of building myself up for it and being like on this day I'm going to start it on this day I'm going to start it and then it's almost like tricking my brain into thinking like okay April 1st go and then I'm (laughs) like ready to ready to do Mm -hmm. it again so kind of having a little ritual around it is helpful for me.
0: That's cool. And you're really good at the ritual stuff. Like I feel like <laughs> I whenever you show you have your have candle for candle. a specific book and you do your like crafts where you kind of bring in some other senses. And I really admire that because yeah. I'm not good <laughs> at things like that. I feel like I often will like cast my stories. I don't know if anyone else does this where I'll like look for stock photos for that kind of match the environment I'm trying to create or or someone that looks kind of like the character I'm trying to create. And And I feel like if I keep those in a folder with the project, then even if it's been, you know, six months, just kind of going through all that again, helps me a lot. Just remember what was inspiring me and and, uh, putting myself back into that world building aspect, which is kind of the part about story creating that I enjoy the most.
1: I think, um, and also this is going to be, everyone's going to be like, of course, but I, uh, I go back like, okay, so right now, if I'm working on my young adult novel, I'll, I'll go back and read a couple pages to get back into that flow. I mean, that's the most obvious thing, right? You read some of this stuff, you Mm -hmm. get back, you get back into that mind frame. In my case, the two young adult novels that I've written so far, and even the short story that's in my horror anthology, do kind of take place in a similar setting. It takes place at like a community pool, and I grew up going to that pool. So if you have like sense memories... Like if I start mm-hmm. reading my my current work in progress, I start to get the sense memories of being at the pool, just getting into that vibe. Okay. And the happenstances, which is what it's called, does have a pretty specific tone and voice. And I you just kind of get um, back into that flow, that headspace by reading a little bit of it. Mm-hmm.
3: And along that same note, reading or listening to comparable titles for me, like to what I want to start working on. Like, if I need to do some nonfiction work, listening to some nonfiction can kind of get me in that space too.
0: Mm. Mm -hmm.
3: Do
2: you, any of you use music? Yes.
0: I have in the past, like had, um, I don't even really arrange them by book. I kind of arrange them by character where I'm like, this song kind of reminds me of this character and this reminds me of this character. And so if I have a scene that kind of needs to bring out an aspect of a character I will put songs on. And I'd like to be better about doing that for every single project. So far, I've only done it for a few, but it it does really help, especially if you have headphones and you're obviously, none of us are writing in public places right now, but once we are again, (laughs) it does help to just kind of get yourself in the zone. I made a
2: playlist today for my new draft, so.
0: My, My
1: jam is driving and listening to music okay yeah uh and but i mean like driving by myself which being by myself these days never happens like we're all in a townhouse and um school (laughs) from home work from home all this stuff Mm -hmm. but even like when uh back when i was first starting to get into writing like in college or whatever i remember specific memory of i was driving from my college up to pick up my friend from another university in a different state and i was driving through the snow and listening to music and blah blah, blah. and um i like had a big connection of where this moment in the screenplay could go and blah, blah blah so and drive driving to work when i used to drive to work um listening to music like music can't music like uh gets your emotions going in a different way than maybe mm-hmm. like watching something or reading something it just taps into a whole different thing so yeah listening to music does maybe help me get a little bit more emotional and think more emotionally about my story than uh, otherwise. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: So um, this is, I guess, kind of related. So I guess the opposite of diving into an old project is what do you do if you have an idea for a project that you don't have time to work on right now? So if you have to finish something else, but you have an idea for this new shiny project, but you have to keep your attention on what you're working on, Mm -hmm. do you have any tips for that for just how to save those little... Nuggets of ideas for later and then also I guess bring back the feeling that it elicited when you were first excited about it
1: Yeah, yeah, oh 100% I would say first of all do not abandon that work in progress. It's so um, (laughs) Important to not see the shiny object of like, oh, I just thought of like The smallest idea, but I'm so excited about it in this moment (laughs) What if I sat down and just I bet I could write five thousand words about it right in this second but actually No, you probably can't. You can probably (laughs) write like three good sentences about what your idea was. What I do is I have in just in my drafts of my email, when I have this sort of aha moment, I type it and, you know, I'll let myself type a little bit of it. I'm not, I'm truly just being like, it could be this and this and maybe this is the line of dialogue that made me start thinking, yeah, lines or premises or even like a joke or whatever. So yeah, don't abandon But I do, every (laughs) once in a while, I go back into those drafts and yeah, I have some some fun stuff in there. Maybe I'll never get to it though, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. But, But you know, when you're stuck in the future and not sure what to work on, you'll have that there for you. Yeah. Which is great.
2: I have this book that I'm working on now. The draft is set in the same fictional town that I wrote a different trunk book about you know the same same milieu and it's making me think about going back to the trunk book after this one because like what you were saying peter about having those memories of places like i'm having memories of things that i wrote when i was writing that that one so it's almost like how can these two works be connected in some way because they take place in the same
0: fictional universe hmm Pretty neat. So this is going to be kind of a new thing that we're going to start doing is bringing in audience questions onto the show. So we're going to take a little break right now and read a question that someone submitted, and that'll be fun. And we'll try to start adding that into every episode. So, use uh, listeners if you would like to submit any questions on our future episodes. You can do that through Twitter or Instagram, just anywhere that's easy to tag us, and we will bring them on. Okay. So this one is from a underscore guyton on twitter and she asked do you take on various projects that fit into different lanes or are is the number of projects just circumstantial or is it like cross training so i think kind of what she means by this is do you only do one short story or one project in each genre or only have one drafting at a time and one editing at a time how does that work for you guys um i i
1: as far as genre, I love to be all over the place. I mean sort of things have similar voices uh, so My writing style is a little bit similar project to project but you know I have the the young adult thing and then I have the horror anthology and then I've written screenplays of many different genres, even like faith-based uh, So there has been... As a writer, that's what I want to do is all sorts of things. I don't want to be writing the same, uh, you know, romantic comedy over and over or the same like torture, porny kind of horror thing over and over. I think that would kind of drag me down. So I think that variety is like, you know, the sp- the spice.
2: So I, when I saw this question come in on Twitter, I was thinking about it. And like I was saying earlier that Some of the lanes are kind of just there because they have to be. And then I have to set boundaries around the lanes. Like there's the deadline stuff and there's the paid stuff. And then there's the book stuff. Mm -hmm. I cannot do drafting on two things at once. I just can't. But if I have two things that are both in edits at the same time, that's fine. And then I just have to let the deadlines dictate when things will be turned in. So if there isn't a deadline, then I have to make one for myself.
0: Right. Yeah, I'm very much the same way in that I have to self-impose deadlines very frequently. And I, I will draft more than one project, but only if I feel like a project would benefit by being set aside for a little while, and then I'll move on to drafting something else. So I try really hard to not interrupt a project that still has flow. But if I'm like, you know what, I think this just needs a little bit of time to sit aside to see with fresh eyes, then I I will sometimes draft something else. But um, actively drafting, I'd say, one at a time and editing one at a time and, you know, marketing whatever is new would be my plan. But. Maybe throw in a short story here and there. Like I, I don't feel like I have any walls against that. I do think it would be really hard to be drafting something very similar, like two yes. novels in the same genre at the same time. I feel mm-hmm. like when I do that, and when I've done that, even even with edits, I start to like have idea, like cross pollination ideas, kind of like carry, even though mine do not exist in the same world. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> I need to back up a little bit.
1: I was thinking about setting deadlines for myself, which hasn't really worked out for me that well. I feel like me personally setting deadlines for myself, it's like, you you know, these people who set their clocks ahead, like five or seven minutes or something like that.
0: And, and you just know about I, the seven minutes exactly. deducted every time. Why does he do
2: it? I don't understand it. Yeah, I
1: don't I've I've interacted with those people before. And I've been like, well, I would just look at the clock and be like, Oh, no, plus, seven you know so yep. so
2: it's maddening
1: yeah thankfully i do that (laughs) (laughs) i bet you do (laughs) thankfully that hasn't had to come up too much thankfully deadlines have generally been set for me but maybe that's a new skill i have to acquire but i know i'll be looking at the calendar like no pete you put that there you could just click right drag it another week drag it another month in your google calendar yeah
0: I am terrible that's about that. Funny. Especially with the stuff that doesn't have to be done. Like I'll have a note like update your website events. I'm like that can just be dragged 3 weeks down. It's nothing going on with me.
2: It's, <laughs> it's weird. It's that reminds me of um Gretchen Rubin. Have you guys read The Four Agreements? Or no, that's not right. That's it's not The Four Agreements. That's a different book. Four Tendencies. Okay. <laughs> Gretchen Rubin's The Four Tendencies and she talks about different people who have different personality types when it comes to tasks. So people who are upholders they meet their own deadlines and the deadlines of others but people who are obligers only meet the deadlines of others and they don't meet their own deadlines. Hmm. People who are questioners question all deadlines (laughs) From others, but they will meet their own deadlines. And then people who are rebels don't have any deadlines and they don't want (laughs) to have a deadline. And they never. And my husband is a rebel. So that's probably why he sets his clock 10 minutes ahead. Our clock is 20 minutes ahead, which really annoys me. (laughs) What? 20 minutes ahead? Yeah,
3: that's not. No, it has to be like two or three. So your brain like thinks,
1: yeah, Yeah, two or three
3: minutes ahead. But so like I will write my book deadlines here. And it's like, even if it's self-imposed, if it's written down, I will meet it. But then I was going to show you I have like car recall that's been like Mm. pushed (laughs) every other week for months. So like my engine might catch on fire, but I will meet my self-imposed <laughs> drafting deadline. Okay. So I guess I'm a questioner.
0: <laughs> so this is a really good lead-in to another question that I have, which is, so do any of you use like project manager tools or other software to kind of keep your your stuff, words, good thing I don't have to think of words for a living, to keep everything in order? <laughs> or do you, you know, just kind of jot it down? And then also, in addition to that do you use things like that to organize your whole life or just your writing goals
1: As for general day-to-day life uh my wife and i just like i mentioned before we just share like a google calendar and so you can move things around on that uh, we see each other's calendars i put all the stuff for her to do on there no I'm just kidding <laughs> it's usually <laughs> the reverse <laughs> but yeah I'll, I'll put my writing stuff like on this day, I have to do this, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. For like sort of a a huge project, like the horror anthology that I put together, which was me and twelve other writers, and an illustrator and a book designer, and then the people who gave quotes, like thank you, Becca, for giving a quote. Like I just, <laughs> I just had a simple, just word document and wrote everything that I needed to do. And it's very scary at first, right? But then mm-hmm. as as I start doing it, I just italicize what's been done and eventually the italicization or whatever the the italics get more and more of the page until you start to see that things are getting done right very exciting so i know that there are more high tech ways of doing it but for me i don't want to like spend the time to learn a new whole software program so i'm just going word doc and i'm just italicizing mm-hmm. those 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 things nice
3: I like Trello for big group projects. I know we've used that for writing block a little bit, but myself, I just do bullet journaling and I find Mm. it really useful because I can see things at a glance for a year or a month or a week or a day or whatever time period I need.
0: Nice. Yeah, I feel like I need the satisfaction of like checking things off a list. Like that's just part of my personality. And so I'll use the Google doc for everything else in my life I would forget everything if it wasn't on my Google Doc, but then for my writing, I'll actually use just a handwritten journal and calendar so that I can physically have the satisfaction of crossing something off.
2: I, I have a problem when it comes to lists. <laughs> I have a Todoist list that integrates with my Google Calendar. So like every day of the week has a list that goes with it, and then I get to check them off on the list. And the app is integrated with my Google Chrome and on my phone. So Mm. that way I can check something off wherever I am. Nice. But then I also have kind of like a, it's not really a bullet journal, but it's just kind of like a, you know, whatever journal. And that way, if I have something that's not time sensitive, like just some notes about, you know, that plot bunny that came in my head, I can just write it down really quick. But, It's it doesn't like run my life. Like if I left it somewhere, it wouldn't be the end of the world. But if I'm writing and I'm drafting and I might need something, then I can just kind of flip through it and find what I need. But sometimes I just make a list in it, like just it's like a sub list of the list for the day. (laughs) Just because like sometimes I just get so stressed thinking about all of the things that I like have to get even more granular and my relatives make fun of me because I include things like don't forget to pick up your car keys on the way out Mm. or you know don't forget to dress the kids (laughs) like Mm. I don't know why I put those things on there
0: (laughs) well then you get to feel really accomplished when you do them I feel like I I did that a lot in the beginning of the pandemic when we I was still figuring out you know how work fit in and all that and I Uh. would just be like check your email you did it put a big Mm -hmm. check mark Yes, I
2: did that with the kids with Henry's homework. I did that Yeah, um, because it was hard to be in second grade again.
0: Well, and it probably feels, I feel like it gives you a little more control when you can, that's why some of us are writers, right? To organize our thoughts. And I think things like Trello do that, where it's like you can have your overarching projects with like mini lists embedded into into each. And I've used Trello before and loved it and want to get some better habits around using things like that.
2: I use a Trello style planner for my team at the library just so that they can all keep track of their own deadlines and then I can keep track of their deadlines too. <laughs> but like if it's a team project and I'm like overseeing the team, it's one thing for me to oversee all of their deadlines like I don't cross it off on my own list when one of them meets a deadline because that would just be way too much.
0: <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs>
2: But it is one more thing to kind of think about and be juggling, but only when I'm at the library.
0: But does it feel like you're juggling less? Well, I guess that's a question for everyone when you write something down like that, or does it feel like more of a burden because now you're looking at a really long list? It does feel like less to me.
3: Me too. It takes that out of my brain and puts it on the paper and I can just think. My brain I just keep list. And then there it is.
1: Past year I've just had to totally chop up my day into like in the morning I'm facilitating school with my kids so I just can't even if a work email comes in I can't even really necessarily think because there's nothing I can do like I can't come mm-hmm. down and edit a scene while I'm right on seesaw learning about my <laughs> alphabet again and then during work time family life does bleed into that somewhat but you know mm-hmm. I have to be semi focused on that and then once that whole day is done, then I can sort of look at my writing scenario. Like, am I writing tonight or am I, you know, spinning another sort of writing career type plate?
2: Right. Exactly. When my son was doing, he went back to in person, but when he was doing remote school for the past year, if I was so stressed out from remote school, like I would literally write in my journal it is okay not to do something today. Like, mm-hmm. if you just did work and the kids' school, that is enough.
1: <laughs> yes, I, I, that should be the headline of all of this is that, you know, unless you are on one of these strict deadlines and it is like paying your bills or else you get kicked out on the street, like, yes, there are there right. are nights when you can uh, watch the TV or you know. We're <laughs> or all read.
3: doing multiple projects, <laughs> even if we just have one project Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: yeah
2: yeah i like to read people are people say oh my god you read so much i want to be like you and i'm like you really don't because when i read a lot that means i'm
0: stressed Mm -hmm. out (laughs) that's your escapism yeah it is yeah so okay one question i had was do you find it disorienting when someone else's timeline is interjected unexpectedly such as if an editor returns notes early on a project and you were thinking you had another week how do you kind of wrap your head around that so that you can address something that you weren't expecting or quick, very quickly get back into the, into the mindset that you need to be in.
1: For me, when I get one of these sort of emails, it's just immediate all out panic. (laughs) And like, how can I just do this as quick as possible? How can I figure it out? But then obviously that's not a good response. So you gotta, I just, I chill on it, breathe through it, figure it out. And then, you know, you have to readjust and reprioritize.
3: I think my projects kind of have like a priority list in my head. And so it depends on where in that list the email I get is. So Mm -hmm. my Inkshares project, if I get something back, I'm always immediately going to go back to that. Um, The Punk book is right under that. And those are because I actually have contracts for those (laughs) books. And then everything Mm -hmm. else is kind of adjusted according to how, how into it I am. So if I hear back about one of the two things that have external... (laughs) Expectations. (laughs) Then I go immediately back
2: to it. Yeah, if the email comes from my agent, then it gets prioritized. But sometimes I've committed to, you know, for a book list review or somebody else's editing deadline. Like I'll have to say to my agent, I have this deadline coming up that I need to meet. I can get this back to you by X time, and Mm -hmm. she's she's really good about that. She's got a really similar organizing style to me which I love because if I send her something she'll tell me exactly when it's coming back and she'll always need it unless she's early sometimes she's early and I like that because it means that she liked it and she read faster that's great (laughs) because she
0: liked it I feel like I've kind of had to just like remind myself that even if an email comes in and just not panic but be like all right it's okay to take an hour and wrap this up so that it's at a place where you can pick it up again, versus just, you know, throwing your hands up in the air and not giving yourself that grace. Okay, so we talked about some resources like regarding scheduling software. Are there any other resources that you found valuable just on this topic at all? Like books that nonfiction books that you've read or writer craft guides that you've read that have just kind of been inspiring to you as you work through the life of being an author who is working on multiple things at a time
3: I really wish I could remember who said this but I was watching a panel a couple months ago and one of the panelists said something about being a writer is like the whole mode of being of being a writer is being comfortable being in the middle of things and I think that really summed it up because my Enneagram type is like a number three, I'm the achiever (laughs) or whatever
0: I'm number seven, I'm the pain in the ass Mm -hmm. (laughs)
3: so I always want to be like finishing things and accomplishing things. And I think the whole process of getting used to juggling multiple projects is being comfortable, not like finishing one thing, moving on to the next, finishing one thing, moving on to the next, but like being in different stages of different projects Mm -hmm. at a
2: time, being in the middle of things. I think my left brain thrives on, you know, the crossing things off. So it helps me to break a project into smaller milestones, just like kind of like Peter's, list of things getting slowly italicized you know my left brain is like yes organized everything is organized whereas my right brain wants the space to just be creative and be free and loose with things so I think that having the left brain systems in place also helps with that it kind of leaves it gives me that headspace to do that stuff the -hmm. creative stuff so This may not resonate with everyone, but Getting Things Done by David Allen was a big help for me when I started really focusing on time management and teams management and, well, getting things done. (laughs) (laughs) But if you are already kind of like a pro at time management, it might be too rudimentary. One of my book list reviews coming up is for book by J. Michael Straczynski called Becoming a Writer and Staying a Writer. And I haven't started it yet, but I'll report back on it because it looks like there's a lot of tips in that book, too. I also want
3: to give a shout out to How to Not Always Be Working by Marley Grace, which is kind of the opposite end of the spectrum, because when we're doing these things where we're doing it because we love it and it's not necessarily what we're getting paid or paid a ton to do, it can almost feel like every moment of your life needs or gets sucked into doing something toward that, like all the reading and say, which is good because reading is helping with our craft, but even the things that we enjoy can start to feel like work. And so that was a really great resource for me where she talks about the idea of monetizing your hobbies and how to kind of separate that from true leisure time in
2: your life. Right. That's why I started doing the running thing again, because I felt like everything I was doing was relating to books and yeah. I was just like unless I'm playing Warcraft like there's nothing in my life that's not related to books. Which
3: is why I started reading romance novels because I didn't write them at all and, and now, now you're writing them. I was like no I want to write a romance <laughs> novel so <laughs> that's how that went.
1: Two more probably pretty basic books that a lot of writers have read from my past were Stephen King's On Writing, of course, which I'm sure gets brought up all the time. And then I think it's Stephen Pressfield, The War of Art, not The Art of War, but The War of Art. Mm. It's just short little passages. And I feel like they get you pumped up and excited about being creative.
2: I like that. I think Becca made a really good point about making sure to include time for leisure and other things. One other book I wanted to recommend is Laziness Does Not Exist by Devin Price, and that book is just a really good kind of overall overview of what kind of like work culture has done to us and how we can get a little bit of our joy back in everyday life while also being passionate about juggling multiple projects.
3: (laughs) I like that (laughs) to conclude like our summary of this episode is like, Work all the time. Everything can be like work and you can get so much done, but also take so much time off. Like also (laughs) don't forget to have leisure. (laughs) It's good good to have time off you cannot
2: work because you will just numb yourself like if you don't like strive for that kind of flow.
3: (laughs) I just hope listeners don't come away from it. Like, wait, so hustle and relax, hustle and relax. Like that's, but I mean, that's a little bit of both. That's what it is.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I once did a webinar where that I taught where I, made that point several times and somebody at the end was like, I learned nothing from this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, included. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, it,
1: seems there might, it sounds like there's sort of a link. I mean, like everything in moderation, right? So if you were to go on sort of a crash diet, or if you were to go on a work binge, it's not mm-hmm. it, neither thing is going to be healthy for you. But if you introduce right. sort of a healthier lifestyle of work hobby writing food if you want to make that analogy like it's way better to make sort of a lifestyle change where you're healthfully juggling these projects you're getting in your healthy foods at the same time or whatever but you don't have to feel bad about having something delicious to eat or like you know reading Mm -hmm. for pleasure
0: doing all that good stuff
2: right being mindful very important
0: all right, Just Peter. Well, why... guys. Right? <laughs> the the balancing is really stressing me out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Peter. Well, why don't you tell our listeners about what you're working on next and how they can keep up with you?
1: I would say follow me on Instagram at High Dive Publishing. High Dive Publishing is my publishing imprint where my young adult novels are. My horror anthology is. And also I post about the podcast. I also do a podcast with my wife at the beginning of sort of like everything shutting down. We wanted to talk about something that wasn't just the news or our children or how we see each other nonstop in our house where we live all day and work and play and all the things we're juggling. And so we began watching the television show on the CW called The Vampire Diaries. Which I haven't read the books, neither has my wife, but it's a, you know, soapy, teen, sexy-ish show that went on for like eight seasons. And so we watch the show, we do a podcast called the Vampiti Diaries, where the premise (laughs) is she's seen every episode, she's a bit of a super fan, and I'm watching each episode for the first time Mm. cold. I make my Pete-dictions about what will happen in the show, (laughs) we are... Uh, we're halfway through season two so far in the show and also by proxy in our podcast. And some of my Pete Dictions have come true. But anyway, so if you are a Summerholder fan, if you're a Team Stefan, whatever the whole Vampire Diaries thing is, that's my thing that I'm excited about right now. I have obviously other writing works in progress, but if you go to at High Dive Publishing, you'll be able to see what's going on with that.
0: Awesome. I do want to give Becca just a minute because I feel like she has had updates in the last week or two. And so why don't you tell us what is going on with your book, Becca? So
3: On Home officially has a release date. It's August 24th. And I should have my first draft of cover art back from the designer April 5th. So that's like before this episode comes out. And I am so excited to see the cover art because the design, the concept is... Incredible!
0: Congrats! Oh, that's great. <laughs> we'll post you. it on our Instagram when it comes out. Your cover Yay. reveal. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. This was a lot of fun. I think it was informative. I don't know, audience. Let us know. <laughs> <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> Either it'd be like really relaxed or juggle a lot of plates. I don't know what you learned. Thanks for listening to the Indie Writer Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and will subscribe to hear our future episodes. We want to thank the Writing Block community for the continued support. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, or at writingblock.com, no K. Remember to subscribe, share, and tell your friends. Thanks, everyone, and happy writing.